0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Underground Mess Hall. Finn Mikhail here. Today we've got the second to last episode of the Book of Boba Fett to review. Title chapter 6, From the Desert Comes a Stranger. We end up jumping around a bit in this chapter, but it nonetheless gives us a lot of new developments and helps to steamroll some of the momentum back into the main story. It also showcases a particular Jedi's struggles as well as the return of a ruthless bounty hunter. Without wasting any more time... Let's get into it. Spoiler warning as well. So this chapter opens up in the windmills of Mospelgo, in which we see some pikes conducting a transaction over spice. Cobb Vance shows up in order to flex some muscle and tells him that the spice trade isn't welcome here. He informs him that he's the marshal and offers to overlook it this one time if they stay out, to which the pikes draw their blasters on him. Vanth quick draws and kills all but one and lets him go with his credits, but not the Spice. He tells the Pike that if anyone gets lost again in Mos Pelgo running Spice, they'll be lost forever. We're now starting to see how far the Spice trade is crossing over the planet of Tatooine, and we'll soon see the negative impacts and how severe they are. Before this, we cut over to Din Jaren, exiting hyperspace and landing on a forest planet. He meets with R2D2 and asks to find Skywalker in order to visit Grogu. He's brought to a little clearing where some androids are building a small temple-like building. Hmm, I wonder what that's for. Din wants to know where everyone is as an android builds a bench for him. R2 then shuts down which frustrates Din and so he takes a nap on the bench. We cut to see Luke training in meditation with Grogu. A frog comes by and Grogu uses the force in order to grab a quick snack. Luke catches him, and Grogu drops the frog, which escapes into the marsh. Luke then shows Grogu that he can lift all of the frogs in this little marsh, which astounds Grogu. Luke then decides to take a walk with Grogu, in which he talks to him about how he reminds him of Yoda. He recounts several things, such as Yoda's big heart, and one of his most well-known teachings, Size Matters Not. He then asks Grogu if he remembers anyone talking in that same manner at his home. Grogu doesn't really respond, so Luke then asks if he remembers home. Grogu then shows some sad expressions at this, so Luke asks if he wants to remember home. Luke then places his hand on his head, and Grogu begins to have a vision of the Jedi defending the temple from the clones after Order 66. We see a terrified Grogu stare at the massacre and the clones approaching him when he wakes up from the vision. The vision gives me the idea that Grogu may have been so scared that he unintentionally either cut himself off from the force or strained his connection to it as shown by his early struggles using it in The Mandalorian. After coming out of this vision, Luke tells Grogu how dangerous the galaxy is and that he will teach Grogu how to defend himself. Back at the bench and unfinished temple, Din wakes up and aims a blaster at a common stoic Ahsoka Tano. They have a little back and forth about why she's not training Grogu, especially since she's not a Jedi, and why they're both here. Din tells Ahsoka that he's here to see the kid, and she says that's why R2 led her here. Din then asks about the building the androids are making. Ahsoka says that it will soon be a great school one day, and Grogu will be its first student. She then takes Din on a walk through a bamboo forest to a clearing where he sees Luke sitting with Grogu. They then have a little back and forth about Din's motivations for bringing the gift, which we find out is a little Beskar armor. Ahsoka tells him that by seeing Grogu, it will make his training more difficult and suggests letting her give the gift. Din relents, giving Ahsoka the gift and then leaves. We cut back to Luke training Grogu how to jump using the force. He's trying too hard, and after Luke tells him to do, as Master Yoda once did, not try, he decides to show Grogu how. In a scene very reminiscent of The Empire Strikes Back, we see Luke carrying Grogu in a backpack, running, jumping, and flipping all about. He then trains Grogu how to levitate while practicing with his lightsaber, which catches Grogu's eye. Luke then uses a training remote to help teach Grogu. After a misunderstanding that it's not a toy and a first test, we see Grogu jumping and flipping about while dodging the remote's blasts. He then uses the Force to short circuit, the training remote. Ahsoka shows back up in order to talk to Luke. She remarks that he's teaching Grogu well. However, Luke comments that it's more like he's remembering his lessons rather than being taught, and Ahsoka notes that sometimes students guide the teachers. Luke then goes on to say that the Mandalorian was here, and Ahsoka shows him the gift Din brought. Luke then ponders whether or not Grogu is committed to being a Jedi. Ahsoka points out that he's very much like his father in this regard. Luke asks for some guidance, and Ahsoka basically tells him to go with his instincts on this matter. Luke then asks if he'll see her again, and she says, perhaps. We go back to Tatooine, where Din lands his N1 in the hangar of Boba's palace. He meets with a Gamorrean guard and says he's here at Fennec Shan's request. We then cut to a briefing room where we get a rundown of what's going on. Mok has fled off world, to which his major Domo says was a planned vacation. Of course it was. Hmm. We see on the hollow map where it appears the pikes are gathering based on rumors throughout the city. The three crime families of Mosespa we find out, are going to let things play out and stay out of the fight. However, there might be more to it later. We also find out that the mods have been excellent as surveyors of the streets and that Kersantan and Din are strong enough to act as enforcers. However, they still need soldiers to which Din says he has an idea. Din takes his N1 to Mos Pelgo. Before he gets there, we see him fly over a sandcrawler with a crate dragon skull on it. This is really cool as this was most likely the same crate that Din helped take care of with Cobb Vanth. Speaking of Vanth, when Din lands, he's first greeted by the deputy, Scott. Scott says he needs to park his ship somewhere else, and Din says he's here for business with Vanth. Vanth promptly shows up and greets Din, diffusing the tension, and they have a back and forth about how they've both been doing. Vanth misses Grogu, and he's more careful after having given up his armor. They go into a bar and discuss helping Boba Fett. The Weequay bartender tells Din that the town is now called Freetown, and that they don't want to have any part in this city folk fight. Din reminds him and Vant that the citizens of Freetown are brave warriors, and Vant decides to consider it. After Din leaves, though, is when everything starts to hit the fan. Vant says to gather everyone up of fighting age, as it's becoming more and more clear that this fight is going to affect all of Tatooine, and no one's going to be able to really stay out of it. You're going to end up picking a side. As he says this. Cad Bane, I repeat, Cad Bane, makes his return. He shows up as a representative of the Pike Syndicate and offers to match Boba's offer if they stay out of the fight. Deputy Scott isn't really helping with this and says that the marshal isn't for sale. Vanth asks for Bane's name and he responds that he should be careful where he sticks his nose. This back and forth continues for a bit where Vanth basically says that Tatooine is close for business, with Bane warning him about having given up the armor. How does he know this, interestingly? And not to trust Boba Fett. They then get into a shootout, with Vanth getting hit and Scott getting gunned down by Bane. As the townspeople rush to help Vanth, Bane walks away declaring that as long as the spice runs, everyone will be left alone as Tatooine belongs to the Pikes now. We then see two Pike enforcers visit Sanctuary, with a camtono, They initially get served by a protocol droid, and Garza Fwip takes notice. She sends two Twi'leks of her staff to offer a helmet cleaning. They refuse, and then walk out without the camtono. The protocol droid points this out, and Garza immediately knows what's about to happen. All of a sudden, we cut to outside sanctuary, and an explosion and flames erupt from inside. The final scene of this chapter returns to Luke and Grogu in the now-completed temple building the androids were working on. Luke presents Grogu with two gifts. The Beskar armor, which is more like a chainmail from Din, and Yoda's lightsaber. However, there is a catch to both of these choices. Luke tells Grogu that if he chooses the armor, he will give into attachment for those that he loves, and he will forsake the Jedi code. If he chooses the lightsaber, though, he will be the first student of the new Jedi Order but risks never seeing Din again, as it will take many years to master the Force. The chapter ends with Luke asking Grogu to decide, and Grogu looking between the two options. Woo! So, we gained a lot of momentum back into this chapter, but also some interesting developments as well that are worth talking about. So, Grogu's training as well as Luke, because mind you, Luke is the new Grandmaster of the Jedi Order. And so, while it's helpful that Grogu is relearning his lessons, it's also helpful for Luke in order to tap into his memories on how they trained on the Jedi Temple. And I think this will be interesting going forward, depending on how the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett continue the storyline. Then we have Grogu's choice. What's interesting, though, is like this is a catch-22. And this also kind of ties into my thoughts on Luke's method. If they're going to tie in the sequel trilogy to this, basically, Luke's going to have to learn very early on that the old Way of the Jedi, basically pre-Galactic Civil War and during the Galactic Civil War, was dogmatic and wrong. This might be his first test, and it's possible Grogu might go back. I'm not sure. It can go either way. And then we have Ahsoka Tano's role. So, she's not really a Jedi anymore. She's just a Force sensitive who can wield the Force. So, where she lies in all this will be interesting. She might return to the fold or she might not. I hope this gets fleshed out. So, we're going to have to wait and see. Back on Tatooine, though, the crime family's deals are very interesting. So, we see that under the threat of violence, which the Pikes have shown that they can carry out after having taken it out on. Sanctuary, and also Boba's other territories, presumably. It's been shown that the Pikes are really going full force from this. So it might be a scenario where the three crime families only agreed to stay out and not to take payment from either. Or maybe they did take payment from the Pikes. I don't know. We'll wait and see what next week's chapter brings us. It might pull a fast one in that one of the families betrayed Boba Fett which will put the other two or maybe one, depending on how many do it, in a weird pinch. We also have Cad Bane's return in all of this. So, the reason why this is major is because in the original Clone Wars series, not the Gandhi Tartakovsky one, but the second one, which was headed by Dave Filoni and George Lucas, there was an unfinished episode where Boba Fett actually originally was supposed to kill Cad Bane. But because this was never finished... The canonicity of it was up in the air, and so Cad Bane was this character that was really cool and interesting and ruthless, but in the ether of Star Wars. So it's really cool that Favreau, Filoni, and Feige, mainly Filoni, I believe, pulled him back into the fold for this. We also are now seeing that the Pikes reach an influence, is that they're tapping into former Hutt allies and Hutt. I guess employees is the best way to say it because Cad Bane did work for the Hutts for a long long time and not only that, they're affecting Tatooine very negatively. Now yes, Jabba was kind of ruthless but he mainly had his deals and he didn't really mess with anybody. He was like, yeah, just stay out of my business and you know, if you want to work with me, cool but you're going to have to play by my rules. Pikes aren't really doing that. They're just like nope, 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 my way the highway and they're carrying it out And this is going to lead into an interesting pinch, because while on the surface, as a viewer, it's like, okay, we see that the Pikes are wrong for this. But in context, a lot of people are going to be scared to siding with the Pikes, because they're going to be like, this is Boba's fault for coming back. And so we're going to see how Boba has to deal with all this, especially if Garza, one of his biggest allies, might be dead. But we'll have to wait and see. This has been a Bandolier Corps production. Finn McHale, signing out.